who. No foolish heroics, if you please. Is. Dark Man. Hello, everyone. Hello, patrons. It is I, the J-Strom, and you are here for the first ever J-Strom commentary. That's right. I had this idea to give this gift to patrons, kind of something that would entice you to move up a level to $5 a month, maybe entice some listeners who aren't patrons yet to become patrons, to get this idea for a project I have, and that is to cover my top 10 favorite films of all time and do a commentary. But I wasn't sure what kind of commentary to do. Should I just talk during the movie and you guys watch the movie with me? But then I thought, what if they don't own the movie? What if I did something kind of like the Chuck series companion where I comment and talk as I'm watching the movie, you guys can hear the movie too. And maybe that would entice you to check the movie out. Well, I posted a poll on patreon.com slash landfill asking patrons what you would think standard commentary or running commentary with movie sounds included. And it was five to two. So I'm going to do the running commentary with movie sounds included. And my first film is one of my favorite films of all time, a film I love. And here's a hint. I'm going to read the box art. They destroyed everything he had, everything he was. Now crime has a new enemy and justice has a new face. Whoa. Now I'm going to read the back of the box. Dr. Peyton Westlake is on the verge of realizing a major breakthrough in synthetic skin when a gang led by the sadistic Robert G. Durant obliterates his laboratory, burned beyond recognition, and altered by an experimental medical procedure. Westlake attempts to rebuild his laboratory and reestablish ties with his former girlfriend, Julie. But... His most challenging task lies within himself. Torn between his desire to create a new life with Julie and his quest for revenge, the man known as Dark Man begins to assume alternate identities in this stunning, fast-paced action thriller from director Bum 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 Sam Raimi. That's right. Oh my god, guys. I'm the biggest Sam Raimi fan. It was so funny. I first became aware of Sam Raimi when my dad forced me to watch a rental of Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn on VHS. I didn't want to. I was being a wimp. I didn't want to watch a scary movie, but he made me sit through it. And I'm glad he did because I laughed my ass off. Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn is a great movie. It's hilarious. I Hey, maybe I'll do a commentary of that too. And I'm not sure what the format will be exactly with this episode. This is kind of the pilot episode where I'll figure it out. All I know is this. It has to be one of my top 10 favorite films and I must own it on DVD. (laughs) So I'm going to play it on my computer and watch it and talk about it as it happens. Now, first, a little bit of uh, information. Darkman came out in 1990. I was one year out of high school. I worked at MJ Designs. And I was the world's biggest Sam Raimi fan because of Evil Dead. And I even uh, 
picked up an episode of Fangoria because it had information about Sam Raimi's new film. And in the article, he talks all about this new film he was making called Darkman. And there wasn't much information. He said, think something like Phantom of the Opera crossed with The Shadow. And my, like, imagination went nuts. I was like, oh my god, that sounds awesome. Because I was a huge fan of The Shadow because there was a DC comic of it at the time based on the, you know, the pulp hero. And I, I was just like, holy shit. And so imagine when I first saw that art, that poster for Darkman, there he is standing there with a hat on. He's got bandages over his face. He's got a trench coat. There's flames behind him. And he's got his hand outstretched. I was like, oh my God, this movie looks so friggin' awesome. And I had no idea what it was going to be like. All I knew is that Sam Raimi was the director. And here's what I liked about Sam Raimi. First of all, I was never really a fan of Evil Dead 1 because it is scary as shit and it's really gross. It's really gory. And I see a lot, you know, it's got a lot of great Sam Raimi camera kinetic camera and stuff and it's neat to see because the inventiveness of the way he edited it and directed it and the camera movements but it was a little too gross for me evil dead 2 it's still gory but in a more slapsticky way it's kind of like the three stooges version of the first evil dead and it's got such silly slapstick humor in it at the same time that was more me that was more it's such a goofy movie and the, the way the camera would go through windows and swoop around and the quick editing, I just immediately loved it. And I was, it, something clicked in my brain where like, if I'm a director, this is the kind of directing I want to do. I love this kinetic visual style because I was also a huge fan of someone like James Cameron also. But James Cameron, he directs action completely different. He doesn't do those bold camera moves. So this was something new to me. And the fact that he was going to do something that he described kind of like the shadow or Phantom of the Opera, but with Sam Raimi's directing, I my imagination was going wild. What is this going to be like? What is this going to be like? So it was all set to be released on August 24th, 1990. Super excited about it. I even had it written on the calendar at work. I wrote Darkman on the date on the calendar. And I remember so many people would walk by the calendar and they go, what the hell is Darkman? <laughs> oh, man. And here's a funny thing. Liam Neeson plays Dr. Peyton Westlake, Darkman. But at the time, he hadn't done much. I didn't really know that much about him, of who he was. I remember when the movie was coming out, he, his credits included the Deadpool, which I didn't remember him in that at all. And he was in a movie called Suspect with Cher and Dennis Quaid. He plays like this mute guy, this mute homeless man. And I was like, ah, I kind of, maybe I remember him. I'm not sure. So this was like a big deal for Liam Neeson for me because I became aware of Liam Neeson because of this film. And I'll never forget it. It's all I talked about for a long time to friends at work and my dad at home. I'd even asked for the day off the day it came out. It was a Friday and I'll never forget. My dad came and woke me up. He goes, Hey, 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 you want to go see dark man? And I was like, well, yeah. And he goes, come on, we got to go. And I was like, wait what time is it and it was like like something like 10 30 a.m 
And he goes, we're going to go see the first showing. And I go, I don't want to. We're going to go see it later. i got Ray to go and stuff. Ray's going to come with me and stuff. He goes, no, no, you want to see it? we got to see it now. And I was like, what the hell? You know, it totally, like... But I was like, I know. I'll just go see it again later with Ray. So I was like, okay. So I had to do that whole ruse with my buddy where it was like, uh, hey, you excited to see Darkman? And I had already seen it. And I felt so dishonest. And I felt like a jerk. But it was my dad's fault, you see, guys. I couldn't turn down seeing Darkman. I don't know why. It's kind of stupid thinking about it now. Why didn't I just tell my friend Ray, hey, dude, I saw Darkman earlier with my dad. You know, just like I couldn't, I couldn't tell him the truth. And so I lived a lie for a while. But eventually I'd seen the movie like eight times. So it didn't matter if I, I didn't see that first one because we saw it so many times. Here's the funny thing. When I saw Darkman, Universal and Warner Brothers was doing some kind of Looney Tunes anniversary thing. I don't remember why. But there was a short for Bugs Bunny where he's, uh, it's like Rocky and Muggsy, the gangsters, and he was outsmarting them. And I didn't think anything of it the first time I saw Darkman. I was like, yeah, whatever, just get on with Darkman. But when I went back to the theater to see it again, I thought it was funny because in the cartoon, Bugs Bunny is outsmarting bad guys, gangsters. And in a way, that's exactly what Darkman does in the movie. So it was totally perfect to have this Bugs Bunny cartoon before Darkman. And even now, when I watch Darkman, I think about that Bugs Bunny episode. I need to go back and find that episode to see what it was called. But I remember it had Bugsy in it. As I mentioned before, Sam Raimi directed Darkman. It was also written by several guys. Sam Raimi came up with the story, naturally. Chuck Farrar, Ivan Raimi, his brother, Daniel Golden, and Joshua Golden are also credited with the screenplay. I remember for one of my birthdays, my stepmom gave me the screenplay to Darkman as a present. And it was pretty cool. You know, it had the little gold clip, binder clips in it. And it was this big, thick script. And I forget, I have it somewhere... I remember it said, like, draft D, uh, like, something like 15th revision or something. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, this screenplay had been rewritten so many times. It's insane. And I remember an interview with Sam Raimi where him talking about the development process for the script took forever. Universal kept having notes. They kept having notes. Things over and over. And... Reading the script, here's the funny thing. I love the movie. I couldn't get through the script reading it on the page. It was so just monotonous with shots and stuff. It didn't read like a book, of course. It's a screenplay. But it was just something you couldn't read for entertainment. And I was kind of disappointed by that. One thing I noticed that, you know, lines of dialogue and stuff were different. And there was this whole subplot with the bad guy. Louis Strack is the bad guy. He's actually Louis Strack Jr. played by Colin Friels. He had a father in the story who he has assassinated so he could take over the company. Naturally, none of that is necessary for the movie so they cut it out but it's so funny that they wasted so much time in the screenplay with this character i wonder if it was like universal going well who is this bad guy maybe he uh, we show his journey like maybe his dad's in power or something yeah you can tell why they dropped that but one thing that's funny is larry drake of la law fame plays robert g durant the bat the main bad guy 
or I guess he's the henchman of Mr. Strack, played by Colin Friels, but he's the real villain of the thing. Him and his gang of goons, they're the ones who endanger Dr. Peyton Westlake, and he wants to get revenge on him. So Larry Drake's performance is really cool. He went on after this to play Dr. Giggles, for Christ's sakes, but uh, I knew him here as the guy from L.A. Law. So now he's playing a bad guy. Let's go ahead and start the movie, guys. I'm so excited. 1990's Dark Man by Sam Raimi, one of my top 10 favorite movies. And I'll say this. I can't rank them, okay? It's just whatever movie I and I feel like doing, I'll do. But I don't know where it ranks on the top 10. Like, is it at 9, 8, 5, whatever? Let's just do each of these movies as I do them and... I'll figure out a rank later. Really, it doesn't matter. It rotates. But this is one of my favorite movies of all time, mainly because of Sam Raimi, mainly because of the story. I really identified with poor Darkman. And I'll be honest with you here. All through high school, I had acne. I'm not kidding. I was very self-conscious about my complexion. And, uh, you know, my dad, he'd take me to the dermatologist. They'd give me medicine and stuff. I was very self-conscious about it and i identified with dark man this guy who had a burnt charred face and he didn't want the love of his life to see him that way it's this tragic story and it's so funny like me at the age of i believe i was 18 when this came out i totally identified with it someone being scarred and afraid to show their face i was very self-conscious you know and there was just sometimes it's just those little things in a film that you identify with. And I've always loved revenge stories like Mad Max, how he gets revenge. I love that Dark Man is a man who wants revenge from these awful people who destroyed his life. Let's not forget Francis McDormand as Julie, who was a friend of Sam Raimi's in real life because she was with one of the Coen brothers and they were best friends and they were even roommates at one point. So she did this for him because he always wanted to work with her. Whenever I watch this film, I think Frances McDormand is an incredible actress. Is she great for the role? I don't know. I almost think she's miscast, but uh, I'm used to her in this movie. It's just kind of funny seeing her now. This is Margie from Fargo is uh, Julie. All right, guys, let's start it. This is Dark Man. And of course, we have this awesome anniversary edition of the Universal logo with the airplane flying around. It's pretty awesome. You know what? I just thought of this other bit of trivia. The first time I saw the trailer for Dark Man was during American Gladiators on a Saturday night. It was this cool TV spot of Dark Man running on a rooftop and him being shot at. And it was like, the music was like, and it was like, in the darkest hour, light shines on all but one man, Dark Man. And it was like, with his like silhouette and it was like, 
na 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 and I was like, holy shit, Dark Man, that's a, it's the first time I've seen any footage of it. Oh my god, it looks like the greatest movie ever made. And I was like pissed I missed it. So for the next Saturday, I recorded all of American Gladiators, hoping they would show that TV spot again, and they did. So you can imagine, after I recorded it, I watched that TV spot, just a short, I don't know, it was like 30 seconds long, just over and over, rewinding, like, oh my god, this looks so amazing. Oh, so excited. So anyway, let's get to the movie. What's so cool is the movie first fades in and everything, but we have a little prologue before we get to the story of Darkman. Introducing Robert G. Durant. And I remember even thinking like, okay, this is the first shot of the film. It's like a wharf, you know, some shipyard docks. Okay, uh, you know, I'm I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm Let the movie come to me. And then, of course, we get the introduction of Eddie Black, this uh, colorful figure who's on the phone, and he has quite a way with the English language. Because he's an asshole. Tell him no. Tell him no to. Him? Tell fuck you. No, I'm going to be here a minute. Got some guy coming up who thinks he's going to muscle me out of my property. What's his matter? Just another tough guy, that's all. They're driving up. Get the pieces. Hmm. We got a surprise for these gentlemen. <laughs> First of all, this is so comic booky already, and it looks like a straight to video movie. I swear to God, the visuals of this movie. By the way, Bill Pope, the director of photography, who went on to do freaking the Matrix trilogy. But it's so funny when the movie first starts, it's like, okay, what, what, okay, I'm loving this, but okay, some bad, some other guys are starting to encroach on Eddie Black's territory. He's got a surprise waiting for him. And by the way, what more can I say other than Danny Elfman's score for Darkman is fantastic and it really elevates the movie. I love this. Like all the the movie's already so goofy the way it's being uh, choreographed. Where Robert G. Durant and his thugs drive up, the camera circles around them, and then there's all these thugs. They got baseball bats, chains. They're dressed in thug outfits, 101, and they're taking away all their guns. And it's so funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be intentionally funny or not. It probably is. But as the guys are walking by, there's one guy with nunchucks. And he kind of goes, whoo, swings one of the nunchucks around. And it's hilarious. Bunch of cuties, huh? Just hold the deck, you walk.
What's funny, as they're throwing away guns and brass knuckles on the ground, one of Robert G. Durant's men also had nunchucks. <laughs> So they're all frisked and they come marching in to Eddie Black's warehouse. Bum leg? No leg. <laughs> okay, we're introduced to Skip, Robert G. Durant's henchman with a wooden leg. Why would they even care to introduce this guy? Well, I'll tell you why. You're about to find out in a second. But first, Eddie Black's got to tell us about a woman he was once engaged to that had a wooden leg. I was engaged to a girl once with a wooden leg. Yeah? What happened? Had to break it off. <laughs> oh, wow. He's pretty funny, huh? <laughs> All right, cut the crap. Okay. Right here, Eddie Black's about to tell... Robert G. Duran about three things he has to say to him. One, camera zooms in a little. Two, camera zooms in more. Three, camera zooms in. There's the Sam Raimi camera work I'm waiting for. And I remember just like tensing up in my chair. I was getting so excited. I think I leaned forward. And you'll see him use this in so many of his other movies too. But I remember it especially in Spider-Man 2 when Peter Parker and Mary Jane hear sounds, and it's Doc Ock coming, like, boom, boom. And each time the camera zooms in a little more, I love when Sam does stuff like this. I got three things to say to you, Durant. One, I ain't selling my property. Two, nobody muscles Eddie Black, especially a bunch of dinks. And three, if y'all don't like that, which I can already see you don't, we can cut your balls off. Maybe that'd be more satisfactory to you. <laughs> well, with that, Robert G. Durant gives a nod to Smiley, one of his henchmen, and he grabs old Skip's wooden leg, and when you know it, there's a dang machine gun inside there. And I love we see Sam Raimi's use of first-person shooter cam. And it's so funny because Skip only has one leg now, so he's hopping the entire time during the shootout. I think it's hilarious that there are parked cars inside, I guess, trailers ready to launch out in case the shootout starts. That's pretty funny. And also you notice Robert G. Durant's men all of a sudden have guns now. I'm assuming they just grabbed them off the dead bodies that Smiley just took out. And just like that, Robert G. Durant's men took out all of Eddie Black's henchmen. They're all dead. And it's great how Skip is still hopping. 
And then finally an arm goes out for him to get his balance. And now Robert G. Durant is in control and Eddie Black knows he's totally screwed. And at this point, the audience is now introduced to Robert G. Durant's cigarette cutter. He pulls it out, he trims a cigar, and he's got his bad guy swagger, and he seems pretty menacing. Now, let's consider my points. One by one. One. I try not to let my anger get the better of me. Holy crap! He just cut that guy's finger off! And that was his first point. Two. I don't always succeed. Jeez, he just cut off his second finger! Three. I've got seven more points. Wow, what a way to start the movie. And then cue up Danny Elfman's score, and we have the main titles. By the way, I do think it's goofy that they show Darkman behind a veil of mist and smoke in the opening titles before they introduce this character. It's it's kind of interesting that they do that. We cut to Dr. Peyton Westlake's eye in his lab looking through a microscope. And we have this cool montage of his experiment. Basically, Peyton Westlake is trying to perfect synthetic skin to help burn victims and other people who need such things. System ready to receive input. I love computer sounds in 80s movies, by the way. (laughs) 
And we have Peyton Westlake's assistant, Yakatito. And of course, the most unrealistic thing in the whole movie, his holographic projector. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I just think it's funny that, you know, there's all this outrageous things, but like, come on, uh, a hologram floating in the air. But hey, it's pretty cool, huh? I don't even know why it's necessary. It's to visualize to the audience, I guess, that, hey, look, this is the way it looks from all angles. And of course, they're creating a nose. Okay, the nose is finished, and now he is checking out the nose on a cellular level, I guess. Just hold together, you little... Shit. Fragmentation time. 99 minutes. Again. Why? Why? Hmm. What is destabilizing it? Why won't the liquid skin last? And it looks gross every time whatever skin he makes melts. It looks pretty nasty. The vivification process was easy. Tissue rejection? We licked that. I know we're close. We're smart guys. So what is it? Why can't we make these cells stable? What now? Hmm? Now? Well, we think it out again. Patiently, objectively. I don't care how long it takes, Yakatito. I know it's out there, waiting for us. I can feel it. God, I can almost taste it. And I like that they reveal that... uh... Dr. Peyton Westlake lives right over a coffee shop in one of those market front type stores that I like to think of like downtown Mulberry. And here is where we're introduced to Julie, Peyton's girlfriend. And they're having a little slideshow. And it's totally innocent, guys, when I say slideshow. (laughs) Here she is, the girl of your dreams. Oh! Oh, You are sweet. How's the skin coming? Uh, still won't last past 99. It'll happen. It yeah. will happen, you know. <laughs> Look at you. Rebel without a clue. <laughs> uh, those were the days. Hey. What? Come here. What? Come here. Oh, I know what's on your Let mind. Let me show you something. You always wear things that are so difficult to. Ta da! Let's dance. This transition scene is so awkward. I always think it is. 
it cuts to Julie face down in bed and you think it's going to cut to a sex scene, but it's not at all. It's just him with his hand on her shoulder as she's going to sleep and he's watching her fall asleep and it's totally innocent. But I swear your mind goes to, oh, whoa, what what, what position are they doing here? <laughs> it's so funny. And of course, it's the next day and they're getting ready for work, I guess. And Peyton sets his coffee right on Julie's stack of memos and stuff. And he puts a nice coffee ring right on it. And little do we know that that'll be very important for later. Her portion, please. Here you go, babe. Peyton! Herb, hi, it's Julie Hastings. Listen, I found some memos when I was researching the Von Hoffenstein deal that I don't think I was supposed to find. They're from Strack to a guy named Claude Belisarius. And they're records of payments to various people on the Zoning Commission. Well, I think they're payoffs. Yeah, well, what I want to do is talk to Strack first, give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll talk to you later, Herb. Bye. Bye, Herb. <laughs> oh, I don't want to go. Don't go, don't go. I have to go. I have to go now. Stay. I have to go now. I'm late. Go. Julie. I'll call you later. Maybe. <laughs> well, Julie just left, and she left that memorandum right on Peyton's bed. I think it's so funny that as they go out onto the street in front of his building, there's like all these people, foot traffic, people coming and going. It's like, where the hell does he live? Guys, I've seen this movie a hundred times. I'm allowed to nitpick things. <laughs> um, I've been thinking. Mm-hmm. We should get married. Marriage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just started getting things going at the time, and I really like having my own place. <laughs> We're practically living together now. All marriage means is you answer the phone in the morning, and if it's my grandmother, you don't have to pretend it's the wrong number. (laughs) Poor woman's beginning to think she has Alzheimer's. I can't talk about it now. Come here. I love the way he says Alzheimer's. Jules, I'm asking you to marry me. Hey, I love you. I mean, I realized. But I gotta think it over, okay? Tough luck, Peyton. And by the way, this is the first shot you realize that Liam Neeson is like super tall when he stands up on that street corner. And now let's cut to the boring parts of the movie whenever we end up in Mr. Strack's office. Julie is here to talk to him about this paper she found. Mr. Strack? I've been going over some documents and I've come across something that puzzles me. It's a memo from your office to a Mr. Claude Belisarius. It details certain payments that... Yes, yes, I know the memo. Well, it seems like the payments were... They were payoffs. The zoning commission. Bribes to call a spade a spade. Does that shock you? No, I guessed as much. You weren't supposed to know about it. 
That file was not supposed to circulate. However, I am asking you to understand. Take a look at that model, Julie. That's the dream. Acres of riverfront reclaimed from decay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is what all these bad guys always have land grabs. <laughs> I love it. Just like Delta City in old Detroit or something. He wants to build up a new city in the old riverfront. Ah, it's nice to dream. I love it when bad guys dream and it's always like a super fancy town with skyscrapers. Thousands of jobs created. A building block. A very large building block laid for the future. Not such a bad dream as dreams go. And if the price of realizing that dream is the occasional distasteful chore, well, I don't run away. I say, so be it. So, want to book me? (laughs) The fact remains that I'm in possession of evidence of the commission of a crime. Well, let me suggest this. You excuse yourself for a few minutes. Go to the ladies' room, leaving your briefcase here. What happens to that memorandum while it's in my custody is my responsibility. I wish it were that simple. But first of all, I don't have the memo with me. I'm trying to protect you. Does the name Robert Durant mean anything to you? Drugs, racketeering. Benny Stolwitz on L.A. Law. And real estate. Robert Durant is a competitor for the riverfront. He's a very dangerous man, Julie. And I fully believe he'd do anything to get his hands on that document. I like how they set up that he's a competitor for the same land, so we're not supposed to know he actually works for Strack, which is kind of funny, like Clarence Bodiger and Robocop. We don't know he works for Ronnie Cox. (laughs) It's very similar, guys, but... uh, Another thing I think about is if Julie would have had that stupid document with her and she went to the bathroom and he got rid of it, instead of leaving it at Peyton's place, we wouldn't have the movie Darkman because nothing would have ever happened. But that's not what happened, guys. It's a truly tragic story. Now let's cut back to uh, Peyton's uh, lab and uh, here they are working on their uh, synthetic skin again. Him and Yakatito. DNA content acceptable. Glucose, right on. We've even checked the collagen conagers. They're fine. This is unbelievable. Every day it's a time different Yacatito. combination. Time. Uh, 98 minutes. Ah, the circuit again. I'll fix it. I knew we were pulling too much juice on that line. Egatito, time? Huh? Time? 99. 100 minutes. What? What? The cells. They're holding. They're stable. But Dr. Westlake, why now? The dark. Oh, of course. The dark. I think the synthetic cells are photosensitive. This is unbelievable. What is it about the dark? What secret does it hold? They're still stable. Time, you get time. Uh, 101 minutes. Finally, we can replace damaged skin tissue. No, Yagatito, no, not quite, my friend, not yet. All we've got is a piece of the puzzle. 
there's still a big question how to keep the cell stable past 99 minutes in the light. But at least now we know it's all about light. I'll get it. Oh, saved by the bell or doomed by the bell. Because when Payton goes to answer that phone, all hell's about to break loose. And by the way, I love the camera movement. The introduction of Durant's men to Peyton Westlake, the camera work is so awesome how each man steps into frame. I love it. I just, oh man, this is just, this is my wheelhouse. I love this camera movement in this entire scene. Oh, jeez. why it's always hilarious when yakitito busts some martial arts for a second but unfortunately he gets a beaker over the head so it doesn't really matter and i love the shot here as liam neeson is against the wall bloody not knowing what the hell's going on and we see the silhouette of durant and his cigar trimmer step into view no foolish heroics, if you please. We've come only for documents. Tell us where to find the Belisarius Memorandum and we shall disappear. Like a nightmare before the breaking day. I don't know what you're talking about. Unfortunate. What memorandum? Peyton, you should have said you're welcome to search the place. But instead, we get to see the Sam Raimi Ramo cam. As Peyton Westlake gets his head rammed through many glass shelves. Ah, we want the memorandum. Should your houseboy's predicament not jog your memory, you may bid him Godspeed. He's a lab assistant. For God's sakes, let him breathe. You heard the doctor? Ventilate him. Holy crap, they really mean business. They just killed Yakatito! We hardly knew ye, Yakatito! Bingo. Good. <laughs> Holy crap, they've just attached Peyton Westlake to the electrodes on his synthetic skin thing. I don't know what it is, but it starts burning the crap out of him. We get to see this cool stop motion animation of his hands like burning. It's pretty gruesome, but it also looks like kind of that old style stop motion. It's pretty cool, but they're really effing him up. And again, I'm going to say this reminds me of the way Clarence Bodiger's thugs kill Murphy and Robocop. They're totally effing up Peyton Westlake. (laughs) 
love this. Uh, <laughs> Robert G. Durant, he rigs up his cigarette lighter with this dippy bird. And it's a pretty cool idea, actually. Although, I don't know what those dippy birds are for. Is it just supposed to be a neat kind of novelty? I don't know. Bring the Asian's fingers. Gentlemen. Rick, I'm proud of you. Clean through the brain, that's how I like it. <laughs> wow, those guys are assholes. And, of course, we see the dippy bird, the flammable gas, the movie spelling it all out for us. Peyton better do something or his lab's about to blow up. And here's Julie pulling up right as Durant's men are leaving. Yeah, a lot of things have changed, Julie. <laughs> Peyton's almost there, crawling across the floor. You gotta get that dippy bird. And I love this shot. One last... And right when it hits the flame and the flame ignites, you see his body fly out and he goes, Whoa! like that. I remember people in the audience laughing. <laughs> I wasn't laughing. I was like, holy shit. I was totally into this, but I was kind of like, dicks? What are they laughing at? But I guess it is kind of goofy, but I wasn't ready to laugh. And he furls into the bay. <laughs> I love it. And here's another great shot. Oh my God, I love this. Frances McDormand is standing there looking at the burnt husk of her boyfriend's lab. And all of a sudden she morphs into her attire for Peyton's funeral. And it's so goofy, but I love it. It has so much character. And that's what I love about Sam Raimi. He's willing to do these little weird ideas that may be goofy, may turn off some of the audience, but who cares? He's going to do it anyway. Doing much work out there. Well, the guy got blown to pieces. All they found was an ear, tiny little piece. Didn't take me long to bury that. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for that bit of information. Poor Julie, she's lost the love of her life. 
And I love this transition here. It's underwater. Is Peyton still in the bay? Why didn't he drown? But no, he's not. He's actually in a burn ward of a hospital. What's cool about this scene is we get to find out the actual damage done to his body as the staff of the hospital are basically telling us through expository dialogue. But it works really well because they're doing rounds with doctors and they're explaining this tragic case of this burn man. It's really cool the way they do it. Next, we have a 30, 35-year-old male, no ID, no medical history. He was found on the riverbank just south of the city. There's a sizable population of homeless and indigents there. We get at least three no-names like him every week. Nobody does anything about the homeless until they become train wrecks like Mr. John Doe here. We have three cool cameos in this. The doctor talking is Jenny Agutter, who you'll know from like American Werewolf in London or Logan's Run. And also in the scene, the bearded fellow is director John Landis. And finally, we have Sam Raimi's brother, Ivan Raimi, who is actually a doctor in real life. He's got burns covering over 40% of his body. The hands and face are the most severe. Ten years ago, pain from the burns would have been intolerable. This man would have spent the rest of his life screaming. Now, we use the Rankoveritz technique. Quite simply, we sever the nerves within the spinothalamic tract. There. Which, as you know, transmits neural impulses of pain and vibratory sense to the brain. No longer receiving impulses of pain. You stick him with a pin. (laughs) And he can't even feel it. Wow, she's really impressed with herself, but that's pretty gruesome. As in many radical procedures, there are serious side effects to this operation. When the body ceases to feel, when so much sensory input is lost, the mind grows hungry. Starved of its uh, regular diet of input, it takes the only remaining stimulation it has, the emotions, and amplifies them. Giving rise to alienation, loneliness, uncontrolled rage is not uncommon. Now surges of adrenaline flow unchecked through the body and brain, giving him augmented strength, hence the restraints. Wow. So he can't feel anything. He has augmented strength and he's an emotional basket case. Check. Naturally, we give them every chance of recovery. Remain optimistic, inspire confidence. Talk to him about rehabilitation potential. Personally, I give him a nine on the buzzard scale. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's that's hilarious. And I love this cue here by Danny Elfman as the rage now flows unchecked in Peyton Westlake. And he gets so pissed in this moment, he breaks free of his straps. (laughs) 
By the way, when he has that little vision there and all the cells and stuff, they use that same shot in Spider-Man, which I think is hilarious. Also, we see this cool shot of Liam Neeson with a super tiny court jester body. It's hilarious and awesome. I love the visuals there. It's too late. He's gone, lady. Oh, I love this alley shot here. And he finds his trademark trench coat in the dumpster. I remember Fangoria actually had a contest called Win Darkman's Jacket, where you send in the little form and they draw. I have no idea if anyone ever won that. And I don't even know if it was really Darkman's Jacket from the movie. I wanted it so bad. And it's so tragic, he sees Julie walking down the street and he tries to approach her. But he can't talk. She can't understand a word he's saying. And yet, at the same time, he looks ghastly and he frightens her. so heartbreaking he says julie it's me (laughs) he's sleeping in a cardboard box in an alley and it's pouring rain And he's right next to this drain, just draining water. And I love this shot that Sam Raimi does where he's staring at the water going down the drain. And that's pretty much how he feels. His life is spiraling out of control down a drain. And then it superimposes the drain water with his eye and the whole world starts spinning. It's a pretty cool shot.
this music here is Danny Elfman's most beautiful in the entire soundtrack. I love it as Peyton Darkman is now looking over his destroyed lab. Just listen to this melody. It's so powerful. I love it. My lab. All my work. I love how Peyton goes to start cleaning off a monitor and is just like, what is the point? It's destroyed. Then he looks down at his hands and he realizes he has no idea how bad the damage is to his face. And he wants to see what he looks like. how the camera pans down and it's like a melted photo of him and julie you see julie just fine but his face is like charred from the fire and then cut to outside he's got all of his equipment he's now in his full dark man garb he's got his cool fedora i don't know where he found it i'm sure he found it in the trash or something but he looks totally awesome i love the look of dark man Darkman has now found his lair, a new lab in some abandoned warehouse. Holy shit, that's a mean cat. I love that right there. He says home and immediately all the birds fly away. Like if this guy's going to live here, we're out of (laughs) here. And immediately Peyton begins work. I'm sorry. Dark man begins work. On the skin. He has to perfect the skin now, guys. Because he's burned. He has to fix it. 
So he's trying to use his old picture with Julie to make himself a new face. Only there's a problem. It's burnt. So it's not his entire face. Insufficient data. Oh, God. Oh, no, please. Please, no. Quadrant A, quadrant C. Unrecognizable. Just like Pixar does with their movies. Yes, that's it. Clever, clever. So he only has to wait 571 hours and 57 minutes. So he's got some time to kill. I must perfect the skin. Oh, I love this montage here. As he's trying to perfect the skin, we see beakers and timers and stuff flying all around the screen. And Sam Raimi's done this in other movies too. He's done it in Spider Man. I think he's... Did he do it in Oz? Great and Powerful, maybe? He's done variations of this, and I just love it. And I love this scene here. He's warming a test tube over an open flame and he doesn't realize he stuck his hand into the flame because he can't feel anything. And he realizes that his hands are gone. Like his life, the way he felt things is gone and it upsets him as it would anyone. They, they took, they took my hand. 
buddy, come on. It's it's not so bad. It's going to get better. When you start to get revenge on those assholes. But first, let's cut to a dance. That's right, a huge gala with Strack and Julie. Now that Strack has had old Peyton bumped off, he's trying to move in on Peyton's territory. Whoa, this guy's an asshole. Thank you for coming. Julie, with what you've been going through lately, I, uh, I haven't wanted to bother you. But I have to know whether you've come to a decision regarding the Belisarius Memorandum. The decision's been made for both of us. The papers were destroyed in the fire. And I'd rather not talk about it if you don't mind. Oh, he's really busted up over your loss, Julie. Julie, I'm sorry I mentioned that. Believe me, I understand how you feel. I really do. Okay, this part coming up is cheesy as hell. Trust me. Just listen to this spiel that Strack has for Julie. It's hilarious. Unfortunately, there's no cure for grief. But there is something that eases the symptoms. It's called dancing. It's called dancing and the music swells. I love it. And it's so awesome that Darkman is in the vents. He's watching everything from a vent in the wall, and boy does it make him mad. But what's this? Robert G. Durant is at the ball, and so is Rick, played by none other than Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's other brother. And when Darkman gets a load of him, oh boy, there's going to be hell to pay. Would you uh, like a martini? Yes, I would love it. Well, unfortunately, old Rick chose to walk home in an alleyway, which wasn't too smart. I love this shot here where he turns around finally and... (laughs) There he is! Darkman grabs him by the face! It's so awesome. His name's Robert G. Durant! I told you when I make the pickup! Again! Don't! I told you everything! I know, Rick. I know you did. But let's pretend you didn't! Holy shit! 
He just stuck his head up through a manhole in the ground, and there's heavy traffic this evening. I love it. Best sound effect ever. Am I right? Oh, my God. And now Peyton's doing surveillance outside Ernie's Deli because he knows where Durant's men do a money drop off. And he's planning a little scheme here. Here you are, doll. You do it, Here's your favorite. I'm pretty good today. And her name was... What was her name? Hey, Polly. 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 Hey, Polly.
Now that he's wearing Polly's face, basically, and he's unwrapped it and he's now into light, he starts his timer. He has 99 minutes before it melts. I love that. Uh, He's pleased with himself. And now cut back to Ernie's Deli. And he's there to fool Durant's henchmen and take his money. Yo, Polly. Hey, Durant wants to know where Rick is and he is hot. I mean, really hot. I mean, don't ask me why. I know he likes Ricky. Polly, do you know where the hell Rick is? You okay, Polly? Yeah. Here's the cash. Yeah, uh, Polly was acting a little suspicious there, wasn't he? I love this. Cut to Polly's apartment, and all of a sudden they're kicking down the door, and it's so tragic. He has no idea what just transpired, and his fate is sealed. We've been very concerned about you. Hey, Mr. Durant. I must have overslept. I'm sorry. I guess I missed the pickup, huh? Where's the money, Polly? What money? I, I, I didn't make the pickup. Rio. In first class. How delightful. And another one for Rick. Well... That explains his disappearance. Hey, I don't know nothing about that. Where is the money, Polly? What money? I swear to God, Mr. Durant, I didn't make the pickup. I've been right here sleeping. Jesus, I swear to God. But I don't even know how I got dressed. <laughs> well, Polly. Have a nice flight. I love this part. Okay, Polly's just fallen to his death, and this lady's screaming, and the camera 
pans over and we see Dark Man, who is dressed and looks just like Polly, sitting there watching. And the same screaming woman looks and sees that he's a match for the guy who just died. And she starts screaming again. It's like, why is she screaming at this? It's just really funny. Like, oh my god, he has a twin! And as if right on cue, his face starts bubbling. (laughs) Shut up, you stupid bitch. (laughs) I'm just kidding, guys. I'm sorry. Then let's cut up to this awesome shot that, oh, man, if you want to see comic book type of cinematography... It's Dark Man sitting up on the rooftops with the gargoyles. I love it. dark man my friend his only hope is to perfect the skin please please hold oh just this once love this scene this is where uh old peyton flies off the handle and uh he does this cool dance and he loses his shit and i always get chills at this scene where he's like i'll give you a show i'll give you a goddamn show and that moment he's going nuts he's trashing everything and then he sees a glimpse of julie and it pulls him back to earth it's awesome It gives me chills. It really does. I love it. Is that some kind of a freak? Maybe I should be wearing a funny little hat. Do you like it? Yeah, yeah. The dancing freak. Pay five bucks. Did they the dancing freak? Only five bucks to see the dancing freak. Five bucks. Oh, 
it out. I'm a scientist. That's it. Think objectively. Analyze. Analyze. Wait. Wait. That's it. Controlled by it. Just take it easy, Ben. Just take it easy, boy. I'm a scientist. I'm a scientist. Reconstruction program. Reconstruction program complete. So, wow. Peyton now has his face. He can wear it again. And he can finally do what he's wanted to do in the first place. Is to see Julie. So now he can show himself to Julie because he's got his face. And this scene is so funny. She's in the cemetery remembering Peyton. She's clearly not over him. Even though she's kind of hanging out with the bad guy, Strack. And I love this weird kind of ominous feeling in the cemetery as the camera pans up and there's Peyton standing there. He's wearing this goofy outfit. It just looks like something he probably got at the Goodwill or something. And he's smiling. He's like, Julie. And the kind of the camera move that Sam Raimi does is like a horror movie, like something out of Night of the Living Dead. A man she thought was dead has come back to life. And her first reaction is to be terrified it's pretty funny julie oh it's all right julie it's me sweetheart no please julie Please, don't be afraid. Listen to me. Who are you? It's me, Peyton. You are dead. No, no, Jules. No. I was in a hospital. A coma. Dead to the world. Jules, please. Please, please hold me. There you go. See, it's Peyton, just the way you remembered him. It's okay to hug him, Julie. <laughs> I love how she finally gives in and the music's like, no, no. I didn't know how to tell you. And I needed to see you. I needed to know if things could be the same. Yes, but Peyton, I don't understand. I know it's a shock. Well, Julie, there's so much to it. And I'll tell you everything. I just... I just need a little time. Then just hold me, Peyton, and don't let go. I just, I just need a little time. All right. I understand why the doctor said you shouldn't see me after the coma. That's their opinion. What's yours? I've got to have the time to work this out, Julie. On my own. But where does that leave us, Peyton? I don't want to be without you again. I need you too, Jules. That's why I'm here. It's just that I I feel like a rag doll, all pieced together. You know, my, my insides are on my outside. If you could only see how I feel inside. I was ashamed. 
Afraid? I was afraid that you wouldn't want me anymore. Of course I still want you. Julie. Julie, what if I was hurt? Like, like horribly scarred. That you couldn't bear to look at me anymore. You couldn't even bear to have me touch you. What then? Huh? Huh? I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know, Kate. He should have just whipped off the mask right there and said, See, huh? This is why I didn't tell you. Why do you ask me that? Let me look at you. You're fine. And you're back. Yes, I am back, aren't I? Just like always. Oh, he's back, all right. And now, cut to right outside Robert G. Durant's mansion. I mean, this guy's got a nice house. And look at that. He's working on his hobby. Uh, He's working on his finger collection. (laughs) This guy's got a serious problem. And just right outside, Darkman is listening in on his phone conversation. The name isn't Buddy, it's Durant. Robert G. Durant, and I wish to speak to Mr. Guzman. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Rudy, there's some asshole on the phone for you. Okay, Mr. Durant. Ah, Rudy, pay attention. Don't speak, listen. The funds poorly misappropriated are beginning to nettle me. It's caused a serious cash flow problem. Did you receive certain monies from Chinatown today? No. Unfortunate. And we shall have to call upon Hung Fat. Either he provides the revenues owed to us, or he becomes part of my collection. It would make a nice addition. <laughs> That's right. So you want me to pick you up at your place tomorrow morning around 8.30? That would be just fine. That would be just fine. I love that, that little laugh he does as he runs away. So basically, what Peyton's doing here is he's trying to mimic Durant's voice because he's going to also steal his identity, essentially. And I love this moment where he's working over and over again, listening to Durant's voice. And this anger and this kind of hatred for him, it's kind of working its way into Peyton, into Darkman. And he's really enjoying his work. (laughs) That would be just fine. 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 And I love this moment. Uh, <laughs> here he is dressed like Robert G. Durant in a convenience store with frozen pizzas. And he's going to hold the place up. So Robert G. Durant will be arrested. I think it's really funny that he steals frozen pizzas. Uh, would you like a bag for this, please, buddy? That would be just fine. Hey, hey, take these, buddy. My name isn't Buddy. It's Durant. Robert G. Durant. 
And then cut to Robert G. Durant's house, and there's the police, and they have a few questions for Robert G. Durant. Yes, I'm Robert G. Durant. And his ass is under arrest. (laughs) And then cut to the car where uh, Rudy and Skip are driving Durant, but it's not really Durant. It's friggin' Darkman. And he's on his way to steal even more money from Durant. Just fine. So here they are in Chinatown, and apparently there's these guys who owe Durant a lot of money, and they're going to try to get that money. Robert, so good of you to favor me with your venerated presence. The money. The money. Yes, Robert. I tremble with shame. I have no money. No money? Well, this is going to be a real problem. Now cut to downtown, and Robert G. Durant is being led out on bail, apparently. And he's really pissed off at his lawyer. How many times do I have to tell you I was nowhere near any convenience store, you nitwit? Hey, I could barely get him to post bail. They had the whole thing on video. Just keep him out of my hair. I, I still you. need to sign those papers. Hey, where are you going? Hong Kong restaurant, fast! Peyton better hurry it up because Durant's on his way and it looks like he only has about six minutes before his face melts. Wow, the time flew by fast, didn't it? Powder no longer flows in its former volume. All the members of Tong languish in poverty. Of all your unworthy servants, I'm fat is the most destitute. Even my own miserable slaves sometimes ignore my wishes and upset those whom I cherish most deeply. So, until that shining day, may it soon come, when I shall once again honor you with offerings. Goodbye, Wabat. Wabat, goodbye. So it's a desperate situation. Peyton needs to do something fast, because Robert's not getting his money. And I love this bit here. He lights a very short cigar. You'll hear it right here. You will provide the revenues owed to us by the time I finish this cigar. But what about? He holds the match under his hand and he starts to burn his hand, showing he can tolerate a lot of pain. Which we all know Darkman doesn't feel any pain, so this means nothing. Okay, Bob, you win. Yeah, you can't... What are you going to do? You can't deal with a guy who will burn himself and not even react. 
So Robert G. Durant has arrived, and there's some kind of parade or something, and he can't get to Hong Kong restaurants, so he's getting pretty angry about this. Damn, dry! I can't go no further. Sorry, it's a parade. I'll get that myself! Hey, what about the fan? Eat it! And I love the skip is in the car, totally unaware of what's going on. <laughs> and he's totally surprised to see Durant there. Where is he? Where's who? Ghostman! I thought he was with you. Shit! And this is a great shot. When Durant shows up, Rudy's like, what the hell? And they go through a revolving door... It's pretty cool that it's a revolving door. I have an idea. This is what Sam Raimi dreamed in his head. He goes through a revolving door. It spins. And all of a sudden, there's two Durants looking right at each other. Shoot him! Shoot him! Which one is Durant? Not me, him! Of course, we know which one is Durant, and we know which one is Peyton, because Peyton has blue eyes, if you look closely. Whose little boy are you? It doesn't matter. You're dead. This one. Don't just stand there. Well, it looks like he has Rudy fooled, but uh uh-oh, time's up. So naturally, since his face is smoking and melting, he's got to make a run for it and get the hell out of there fast. Mr. Durant, I'm sorry. I love when they stumble upon the melting mask on the pavement and Rudy says this. Well, okay, they don't know what the hell's going on, but Durant knows somebody's posing as him and taking all of his money. But more on that later. Let's cut to a nice carnival, guys. And I love this Danny Elfman carnival music. And look, it's Julie and Peyton, and they're having a grand old time. (laughs) Step right up and take a spin on your Oh, no. 
Oh, will you stop looking at that uh, watch? Sorry. To hell with time. Forget about going back to the hospital, Peyton. We're going to spend the whole day together. The whole night. I'd love to, honey, but you know I can't. I've got my therapy tools. Oh, Peyton, we need more time together. Tell me why you're so uncomfortable with me. All right, Jules. Listen to me. I gotta tell you something about me. How I've changed. When I was in the hospital, I... Half man, half beast. Witness this cruel accident of science with your own eyes. He's just about to tell Julie about himself, finally tell her the truth, but they reveal this freak boy there at the carnival. And I remember one of the first shots I saw of Darkman was of this character here, of this freak boy. And I was like, holy shit, is that what Darkman looks like? It's so weird. Like, there was no frame of reference for who this character was in the movie, so I didn't know. So finally, when you see it in the movie, it's like, oh, it's just like not even anyone has anything to do with the story. <laughs> but now that Peyton sees this freak, there's no way he's going to tell Julie the truth about himself. Gather around and look closely as you can see. Peyton, what? Peyton, what is it? When I was in the hospital, was there someone else? No. Hmm? Yes, there was a man who comforted me, and I respected him for his kindness, but he means nothing to me. Oh, Pate, is that what it was? <laughs> is that what it was, Pate? Oh, God, I love you, <laughs> darling. Oh, it's good to be back. Oh, Julie Hastings, I'm going to win for you the biggest... Fuzziest, pinkest animal doll in that rack. Yes! I love how he says animal doll. (laughs) Then I gotta run. Sir. You always have to run. Why does it always have to be so dramatic? I have my hospital sessions, Jules. I'm not 100% cured yet, but I soon will be. Where is this place exactly? Pete, I want to be involved somehow. Can I at least take you back there? No. No, please, Julie. I don't want you to see me there. I don't want you to think of me as an invalid or or some kind of a freak. Uh, the pink elephant, please. I'm sorry, buddy. It don't count unless you're behind the line. What? I was behind the line. Not hard. <laughs> I was standing right here with my girlfriend. Now, the pink elephant, if you please. No way. Oh, shit. (laughs) As we all know, adrenaline flows unchecked through Darkman. And this guy, this carny, doesn't know who he's messing with. And I love the way this scene builds. The Dutch-angled zoom-in on Liam Neeson's face. And the way the tension builds. The music becomes more ominous. And the editing. Oh, man. This is such a brilliant scene, the way it escalates. It doesn't matter, Pete. It matters. I won a pink elephant for my girlfriend. Why don't you just uh, get lost, pal? Elephant. Quickly. 
Two of his fingers bending him completely back. And I love the camera pans on him. He's screaming, Peyton screaming, and Julie screaming. And then he throws him right through the wall. And I love how he shoves the elephant into her. Take it now. Take it. Take the fucking elephant. <laughs> Just completely taken over by rage. And then, of course, the time's up on his face and it starts to bubble. Please no. Forgive me. And I guess I know now why he chose the carnival to take her to, because it was mere blocks away from his secret lab. And now Julie gives pursuit, looking for him. And she sees him running in the distance. I love how you can hear him crying, too. Poor Peyton. she sees the mask of Peyton melt before her eyes and she knows immediately what's going on. Why didn't you tell me, Peyton? You should have told me. You should have come to me, Peyton. You didn't have to lie. And this is finally where we get to see how bad Peyton looks. And boy, does he look jacked, guys. I mean, he doesn't have lips. His teeth are totally exposed. I can see now why he wouldn't want anyone to see his true face. I would have tried to help you. I can help you now. You don't have to hide from me anymore, Peyton. course he doesn't want to show himself to her so let's cut back to Strax's office 
his high-rise apartment, office, whatever it is. You know, the guy's loaded. And again, this is the part in the movie where I'm like, oh, like whenever they have strack scenes, I'm so bored out of my mind. Because, you know, keep in mind, I saw this movie many times in the theater. I'm just waiting for the third act to start the big action spectacle. So it's just like, okay, we just got to get through this scene. First, Julie has to tell Strack that Peyton's still alive. Julie. Lewis, we have to talk. Excellent. I love to talk. Brandy? No. I'll have one. Fair warning. It's Napoleon, and it's quite good. I can't see you anymore. Honey, take it easy. As you say, let's let's talk. Lewis. You know about Peyton, the man I was involved with? Of course. He's alive. He's back. Oh, wait. Really interrupted by a phone call? Oh, my God. I won't be a moment. Yes? And, of course, as he's walking away... Julie notices a certain something in Strack's briefcase. That's right, the Belisarius Memorandum. And it even has that coffee stain left by Peyton Westlake. And she knows immediately what's going on. That Strack had Peyton killed. Come on, guys, aren't you following this? I love the way Sam Raimi zooms in, like her entire face is taking up the screen to show us that she realizes what's going on. Yes, the Belisarius Memorandum. I'm sorry you had to find that, Julie. Our relationship didn't need this further strain. You burned Peyton's lab. Not me, personally. I have an employee who does certain things for me, unofficially, off the books. Robert doesn't like to pay taxes. And now you'll kill me. Hardly. You have nothing on me. And you'd find the extremely expensive police department quite unsympathetic. Julie... Consider the big picture. Wait, wait, wait. Is he going to go on about his new city land grab deal again? Consider what we're building here. And again, I've seen some bad blue screens in my time in movies. (laughs) You know, we've all seen 80s movies, but... This blue screen does not do the movie justice. <laughs> I don't... It's just bad. You and I, we're building a city. We can't let anything get in the way of that. Despite the way things might appear, you can't pretend that certain moments haven't passed between us. We still have that. If you're not going to kill me, I have things to do. Now that is a great line of dialogue there, guys. I suppose this is goodbye then. 
and the scene uncomfortably continues with Strack alone in his office until he calls Robert G. Durant in. And this kind of reminds me of the scene again from RoboCop when Ronnie Cox calls in Clarence Bodiger and he gives him a way to track RoboCop. Robert, I have good news and bad. Custom dictates that you render the bad news first. We have a little problem with Miss Hastings. It appears she has uncovered our alliance. No problem at all. And the good news? Your wife died. (laughs) I'm joking, of course. No, the good news is that I know who's behind our little troubles of late. When you retrieved my memorandum, you failed to excise the good doctor. Westlake? He's extinct. I saw to it myself. He's alive. I don't like loose ends, Robert. Finish it. Where is he? I believe we have a guide. That's right. All they gotta do is find Julie, and she'll lead him right to Dark Man. Way to go, Julie! So here she is. She shows up to the lab, the warehouse, the, you know, Dark Man's secret hideout. And Peyton stares at her longingly as she stands there on the street. And then the bad guys show up. So the bad guys now have Julie and they take off, but Rudy and Smiley stick around because they're going to break into the lab and try to kill Darkman. I love this zoom in on Darkman as there's a chopper there waiting for him. And it's Robert G. Durant with a friggin' missile launcher or grenade launcher, whatever you want to call it. So now they're chasing him on the rooftop. And guys, I love it. What's this? Darkman's jacket is trapped. It's stuck on something. They've got him dead to rights. Nah, I don't think so. (laughs) 
And of course, this is where Darkman's tone becomes a little crazy. We know that Peyton's been going a little insane during this, but he's going full-blown cuckoo now. So there's Smiley and Rudy wasting all of their bullets shooting at nothing. And now Darkman has gone slasher mode and he's going to take them out one at a time. And I love when Rudy pulls this kind of uh, tarp off the wall and it's a bunch of masks of all of his friends. You know, there's Polly and then there's some other unrecognizable ones. But he's pretty freaked out about this whole thing. And I love this scene because uh, Peyton goes full Batman mode, stalking Rudy. Smiley, is that you? Smiley! When the hell are you? Close. (gasps) (laughs) I love that. Close. So now let's cut to Smiley, and this guy comes running around the corner, so he knocks him on his ass. And I love this. He looks just like Smiley. like wait a second that's not me because i'm me right (laughs) so he lifts the mask up and look it's dr peyton westlake and i love when he springs to life smiley just opens up on him And now Smiley looks closer, and wait, he's not Dr. Peyton Westlake. It's poor Rudy underneath. (laughs) You just took out Rudy, dumbass. And look, there's another Smiley. (laughs) Good shooting. love that this movie is starting to go batshit insane guys well now they're setting down the chopper on the roof and they're going to come inside but not before dark man shows up and scares the crap out of them Set it down. Set it down. 
a guy off the helicopter throwing him to his death fantastic well then smiley wakes up inside the lab and we have the whole dippy bird set up just like before with the gas leak (laughs) isn't that a great oh shit So back on the helicopter, Duran is just kicking Peyton in the face over and over again. And he haphazardly knocks a cable with a hook outside the helicopter. Because guys, all helicopters have those. Don't you know that? Now let's cut back to Smiley. And he got to the Dippy Bird in time. Or did he? No, he didn't! It's a hologram! Now Robert G. Durant kicks Peyton off the helicopter, but luckily he grabs a hold of the cable that... uh, There's some editing mistakes in the movie, guys, because sometimes the cable's there, sometimes it's not. But what are you going to do? It's a big Hollywood movie. They don't have time to fix these mistakes, guys. they got to get it into theaters. I love when he whips off, he grabs uh, Peyton by the hair and his face comes off and you just see Durant like, holy shit! Holographic imaging complete. Oh, man, I can't believe he blew up his awesome lab. I'm always sad in this part because he had this awesome lair. But I guess the bad guys knew what it was. And Smiley, I love his scream as he dies. <laughs> You're next, Dad. I'm coming for you. Shit, you. And now we have the insane part of the movie where Darkman hanging by a cable from a helicopter, they decide to try to shake him off of it. And it really is a really cool looking stunt. with some questionable uh, blue screen effects but hey besides that what the hell was that (laughs) I love this boost sound that comes from the police helicopter it cracks me up
love how Darkman's yelling at him to get away. He wants Durant for himself, guys. They crash Dark Man right into an office window. I guess it's a board meeting. Excuse me. shit durant just opened fire on helicopter cops this guy is a serious asshole dip it. and now here's my favorite part where they dip dark man into oncoming traffic on the freeway And the tone is all screwball here, where he's running fast on the top of a truck. This movie has so much character, you guys. It's so weird and silly and just out there. It's it's Sam Raimi. And in a second here, we're going to see a cameo of Sam Raimi's own Oldsmobile that Ash actually drove in Evil Dead. I love how he works a car cameo into his movies. Holy shit, he just blew up the police helicopter with his grenade launcher. And now he's going to turn it towards oncoming traffic on the freeway. I also notice how here the music cuts off, and it's just pure mayhem. And I love this part here where Durant tells the pilot to hold it steady so he can get a perfect aim. And it gives Darkman a chance to hook the cable onto a semi. And I always notice a spot here where he blows up this like clown truck. It's got a red nose. And then another shot, you see the truck again, even though it's already been blown up. You know, there's a few little editing things I noticed in the movie after seeing it so many times. But I forgive, I forgive. <laughs> love that he just dragged the helicopter into an overpass and robert g durant is now dead and i absolutely love this line from dark man 
He's gone fully insane. Now let's cut to Strax Skyrise construction and what's this? Duran is still alive? What? Look like hell, Robert. Son of a bitch, Westlake malfunctioned my helicopter. How terrible for you. He's a cockroach. You think you kill him? Then he pops up someplace else. I expect he'll <laughs> pop up here soon. And I love this, of course. We know that this isn't Durant. It's actually Darkman. And I think it's funny that moment where he says he's a cockroach. You think you kill him. He pops up somewhere else. He's talking about himself. And I love that that line is in the movie trailer. And it's so funny thinking about it that that's Darkman talking about himself. <laughs> and they also have Julie trying to lure Darkman out of the woodwork. See, I know how he thinks. I don't think the world will grieve over one less attorney. And I always wonder, I've seen the movie many times now, as I've said, were we supposed to be fooled that Durant was still alive? Or were we supposed to know it was Darkman all along? Was that Peyton Westlake? And I think we're supposed to be fooled, maybe. No, maybe not. I don't know. I can't remember that far back. It's the tragedy of my life that I have to kill the ones I love. My wife, late wife, held certain deeds. I sent her on a plane trip over the Smokies. Let's just say I landed on my feet. <laughs> Words can't describe how much I hate this character. <laughs> I'm glad you survived, Robert. I'd hate to see your kids deprived of a role model. They do look up to me. When I was young, my father made me work high steel. Just me and the Indians. No one else crazy enough to run around up here against the wind. 450 an hour. 450 an hour? Holy shit. They didn't pay dick. Call me crazy? Sometimes I miss it. Life on the edge. Five inches wide, 650 feet down. <laughs> I think it's so funny the camera pans down. And not only is it a 650 foot drop, there's also rebarb spikes at the bottom. <laughs> that makes it worse. High steel! Oh, by the way, you don't have any kids, Robert. <gasps> he figured it out, and he just ripped off his mask. And now Julie sees what Darkman truly looks like. <laughs> you truly are one ugly son of a bitch. What do you think, Julie? Who's the real monster here? I destroyed to build something better. <laughs> Well, that's you! You're a man who destroys for revenge! Look! Look about you! It's all mine! Because I felt it! I felt it all! <laughs> I just, it's hilarious. <laughs> 
just waiting for Darkman to kill this asshole. What have you got besides a little trouble with your complexion? I'm joking, of course. A troubled conscience? A little blood on your hands for what you consider justice? Justice. You and I know it's just another word for what I do. We should be working together. I could use a man like you. That's why I brought you up here. I love how he's jumping from beam to beam. Strack has a really good sense of balance here. And Peyton's all thrown off balance and stuff. And he's just trying to grab a hold of this asshole. You can make a lot of money working for me. And if you still want her, I'll throw in Julie. Sound good? I think it's funny that he's trying to recruit Peyton to do bad things for him. I guess he needs a replacement for Durant. And it's kind of hilarious. But then he does this cool disappearing act again where Strack all of a sudden has no idea where he just went. He vanished. Oops. And I guess that means he doesn't want the job because the henchman just opens fire and starts shooting at him. I love this. Julie pushes the guy who's shooting him and he almost falls and he's so pissed off he decides to push Julie to her death. How do you know your boss doesn't still want her for something? What the hell? But luckily, she lands on some rebarb and uh, she doesn't plummet to her death. Strack just becomes like this wacky cartoon character. He's like, come on, buddy. He's doing some fisticuffs. It's like, where, what, what is going on with this character? It's kind of hilarious. And I love now Strack is swinging cables with hooks on him at his head. And I love the direction here by Sam Raimi, the camera work. It's just awesome. <laughs> Come on! And now even the thug upstairs is swinging hooks. And I love his uh, his burn 
Oh, that was a good uh, pun, too. He calls him Burnhead. He must die for that horrible pun. And I love Darkman pulls on the cable and it like pulls the henchman up in the air by the pant leg and he's totally screwed. But I love the way the guy goes, oh no, oh no. And then out of nowhere, Strack picks up a bolt gun and opens fire on Peyton. And I love the cool uh, bolt point of view shots. They're like little cameras whizzing at Darkman. He just bolted Peyton's hand to the girder. In your absence, I've gotten to know Julie quite intimately. Her tastes are varied. But I can tell you this. She doesn't date freaks. Oh, now you did it, son. Because the camera is about to go in Darkman's mouth and come out his eyeball. And he's going to kick your ass. I love how he just rips his bolted hand off the girder because, you know, he didn't feel anything, guys. Oh no, Julie's about to fall. But luckily, her hero, Darkman, is going to swing and catch her. I just love it. At this point in the movie, I'm loving it. It's just so ridiculous. The blue screen effects, the swinging, picking her up. And now the bad guy, he's got the bolt gun again, which it has an unlimited amount of bolts in the gun. And he's shooting it. It's fantastic. And might I say, Strack is having a grand old time. He's just really entertained by all this. So Darkman drops off Julie and swings back because he's going to knock Strack on his ass. But before he falls to his death, Darkman catches him by the leg. He's not ready for him to fall just yet. possibly be able to live with he can live with being scarred beyond imagination buddy i think maybe he's gonna live with this Uh, ah! 
learning to live with a lot of things. Awesome. And he's got a flair for the theatrics, too. Now, cut to the elevator. Julie won't stop staring at Peyton. And he's kind of uncomfortable with it. Don't look at me. I want to look. You perfect the skin, you make it work, it doesn't matter. Julie. Don't you think I told myself that? Night after skinless night. It's just a burn, skin deep, it doesn't matter. And if I covered it, hid behind a mask, you could love me for who I was inside. Without pity. But a funny thing happened. As I worked in the mask, I found the man inside was changing. He became wrong. A monster. I can live with it now, but I don't think anyone else can. It's not going to happen, Julie. But she's not going to give up. She's going to keep chasing after Peyton. And I love as he whips out a mask and puts it on. You're like, who's he looking like now? And we finally get the final cameo of the movie. Or the final shimp, if you will. I love this. He puts on Bruce Campbell's face. And it's like the best cameo ever. Because you were just like waiting for some kind of Bruce Campbell appearance in the movie. Because, you know, he's Ash from Evil Dead. He always works with Sam Raimi. And I always love it at the final image of the movie is Bruce Campbell's face. And it's actually Darkman wearing Bruce Campbell's face. It's brilliant. But my favorite line of the movie that actually gives me chills are Darkman's final words. It's awesome. And also, if you freeze frame it, the mask that he goes to put on, it's not actually Bruce Campbell until you see his face, but it looks like Larry from the Three Stooges. It's pretty hilarious if you freeze frame it. And Julie runs out into the street, and again, it's busy... With foot traffic, people are walking everywhere. Nobody sees the dead body of Strack, I guess. But she runs out looking for him. And then we see Darkman turn around once more to look back. And we see Bruce Campbell. And that final line I was telling you about, here it is. And I love it. Hey. I'm everyone. And no one. Everywhere. 
Roll credits. Awesome final line. I'm everywhere, nowhere. Everyone, no one. Call me Darkman. Awesome. So was he Darkman up until this point, or does he become Darkman right at the very end? I'm not sure. No, I think he's Darkman the whole time. I don't know. But guys, that's it. That's Darkman by Sam Raimi. Liam Neeson, man. How great is he in this movie? He totally owns it. He does everything. He he's plays a sweet scientist guy. He plays an insane dark man laughing with glee, saying, Kiss your ass goodbye and burn in hell. <laughs> I love it. God, I love this movie so much. And it's, you know, like I said, it's got its flaws. It's got some questionable, you know, blue screen in the movie, green screen, whatever you want to call it. I think it was blue screen at the time. But it's got so much character. Sam Raimi tried to do so much. You know, here's a guy. He was making these Evil Dead movies and he wanted to make this big release summer blockbuster for Universal. And he made Darkman. It's basically a comic book summer blockbuster before there were such things. I mean, of course, you know, we had Batman. You know what I'm saying. I'm talking about now in the present day. But this is it, guys. This is Darkman by Sam Raimi. What did you think of it? I had a lot of fun watching it again. I don't know what number it was that I watched of it. (laughs) This could have been my uh, 105th time watching it. I've watched it many times over the years. I used to uh, watch it over and over again on VHS. You know, you would do the thing where you dupe them. Of course, I own it on DVD now. And that's the copy I watched today. The transfer looks hideous. I actually don't have it on Blu-ray. I have it on HD DVD, but that's no longer hooked up to anything. And it looks great. I need to get Darkman on Blu-ray. I've watched it several times, like on HBO. Looks good. I would love to see a remaster with a commentary or something like that. It's a bare-bones release on the DVD. I do have the novelization that I started reading once. Because I want to give you this bit of trivia here. Darkman gets revenge on all the bad guys except for one. One guy gets away and you never see what happens to him. And that is Skip, the one-legged bad guy with a machine gun leg. He gets away. Darkman never gets revenge on him. In this day and age of like Marvel films and stuff, at the end of the credits, we would see, okay, the movie's over. Oh, wait, there's Skip at home. Everything's okay, and then there would be Darkman standing there, like, ready to kick his ass. But I think it's so funny that it was like, wait a second, he never got Skip. Skip was, uh, you know, he's a pretty bad guy, too. He lifted him up and helped, you know, drown him and electrocute his hands. He's not a good guy. He should be taken off the street, too, Darkman. So maybe Darkman will get to him later. Another thing is, the less that can be said about the straight-to-VHS Darkman sequels the better starting Arnold Vosloo and I will tell you this I excitedly rented those when they came out the first one was called The Return of Durant and then there was Die Darkman Die (laughs) and they were like basically TV shows it was like these small movies on VHS released to the home rental market And it's pretty funny that they exist, but they are basically, they could have been Darkman TV episodes or something. And I even think Darkman would make a great TV show. I still think they ought to attempt it. 
it's so much fun. I mean, hell, they turned uh, Evil Dead into a TV series. Why not Darkman? If Universal would be willing to let them do it. Because I think it's a fun character. It does have that kind of guy who lurks in the shadows, outsmarting the dumb bad guys by being able to pose as each other, infiltrating. It's a lot of fun. And I like how he has this kind of nastiness to him. Like, I know you did, Rick, but let's pretend you didn't. You know, just stuff like that. It's so much fun. And I hope you guys had a fun time listening to this. This is a patron-only show. And I've come up with a title. I'm going to call it uh, Jaystrom's Movie Companion. <laughs> kind of like the Chuck Series Companion. But you guys are watching or listening to this movie. And I'm talking there along with you. And you probably want me to shut up so you can watch the movie, right? But uh, if this encourages anybody to go out there and purchase the Blu-ray and watch Darkman after listening to this, or maybe you watched it first, all the better. And I hope to do more. I'm really hoping that these shows will get people to become patrons to listen to them. Or maybe if you're in the dollar tier patron, they move up to the $5 patron. Because I'm planning on this being for $5 and up patrons. So anybody who raised your patron amount to $5 to listen to this, I appreciate it so much. And guys, there will be more coming. I'm going to keep doing this. Guys, let me know if you enjoyed this, please. I love any kind of feedback. If you want to say, hey, had a good time listening to this, please do more. It encourages me to do more. I get bummed out if nobody says anything because I'll wonder, was this worth it? Should I keep doing this? Is anyone interested? And I will become really needy and beg for somebody to say something. So if you guys enjoyed this, please let me know and I'll do more. I've been thinking about, ooh, what will my next movie be? I would love it so much. And I might even think about putting up voting of between two movies and you guys vote on the next one. That might be fun too. Because I have two things in mind. I'm not sure what to do. So if this one goes well, if, if you guys enjoyed this Darkman episode, I will uh, be encouraged further to uh, do more. So just remember that when you listen to this. So guys, thanks so much. And also, probably like a year from now, 8, 9, 12 months from now, I'll probably release this on the regular feed. But I want this to be for you right now. Patrons, people who give money to Entertainment Landfill every month to me, to help support me. I want to give you something now. And this is special to me. I love this movie, Dark Man. It's near and dear to my heart. So I wanted to share that with you. And there will be more to come. So guys, thank you so much. If you want to... Post me reactions on this very post in Patreon. There's little comments at the bottom where you can leave. Or you can send me an email at nimpodcast at gmail.com or post it in the Entertainment Landfill fan club. In fact, if you send some kind of voicemail to the regular show saying you enjoyed this, for people who aren't patrons, they might hear that and go, hey, maybe I should become a patron to listen to this. That's the idea. I want to entice more patrons. I want to build on the number of patrons and let's get more. Let's build this thing because I want to work towards my end goal, which is turning the spare bedroom of my house into Entertainment Landfill Central, into a studio where we're doing the show regularly. Steven and I, we're on cam, we're doing YouTube videos, etc. And I just think it's awesome. We're building towards something. So guys, thank you so much for listening to my movie companion of Darkman. And if you enjoyed it, there will be much more. 
All right, everybody, what do you wait for? Get out there, watch more Sam Raimi movies, and I'll see you next time! Casting.